Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, friends. Looking forward to diving into Jeremiah 14 and verse 10 today. Kind of left you hanging last episode and want to finish the thought. Uh, The people of God had been suffering a series of droughts, uh, and all of it was by God's design. God is in control of our circumstances, and God had allowed this drought, taken his hand of blessing, his hand of favor off of the agricultural system, and the people were struggling. Uh, No rainwater, uh, the beasts of the field are feeling the heat of this. The ground itself is parched, uh, the people are out of water, and they're desperate. And we read uh, last episode about their prayer in verses 7 through 9 of our text, and just how their, their prayer seemed to be so sincere. Lord, our iniquities, we've done wrong, we've sinned against you. We don't want you to be a stranger in our land anymore. We don't want you just to look on. We want you to stay. Don't leave us. Help us. Not because we deserve it, but Lord, for your own name's sake. All of that sounds just so good. Now watch the Lord's response to that in verse number 10. Thus saith the Lord unto this people, thus have they loved to wander. They have not refrained their feet. Therefore, the Lord doth not accept them. He will not, he will now remember their iniquity and visit their sins. So, although the prayer of repentance has been offered in verses seven through nine, the Lord says, Listen, it's too late. You're praying this, but you're praying this not out of a heart of a of, of having done wrong to by me. But, but rather, you're praying this because you don't like what you haven't gotten. You uh, don't like the consequences that your sin has brought upon you. And now that these consequences have come, see, the Lord knows the heart. Now, I don't think we should be judging people that come to apologize to us about, well, do they really mean it? We don't have that capacity, but the Lord does. And the Lord here is cutting right through these words and showing them, listen, what you're suffering, the consequences you're facing are a result of your choices. You've talked, you've talked about me as being the wanderer, as being the wayfaring stranger. But no, that's actually been you. You've been the wanderer. You've been the wayfaring stranger. Uh, to me, I have not moved. You have moved. And what you're facing right now is the consequence of deliberate choices that you have made over a long period of time. Verse number 11, Then said the Lord unto me, Pray not for this people for their good. So Jeremiah's heart was, I don't know their motives. I don't know. That that prayer sounds good to me. It sounds like they're responding properly to the message I've preached. 
And no doubt Jeremiah, with a heart for his the, the people, wanted to pray for them and was hoping for the best. And the Lord said something shocking to Jeremiah. He said, Jeremiah, don't pray for them. Don't pray for them. They, they are not, this is not sincere. He said this back to Jeremiah in verse in chapter number seven. Remember, we talked about that. What a thought. Verse number, where are we? Verse number, yeah, verse number 12. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. When they offer burnt offering and, and an oblation, this would be the religious exercise of offering the offering and the, the drink offering, the pour out offering. The Bible says, I will not accept them, but I will consume them by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. Those are the three ways by which the invasion of Babylon would affect them. Uh, the sword, that's that's military. Famine, uh, that's obviously lack of food. And pestilence, that's disease. And these would be the ways by which God was going to judge his people. Why? Because their repentance here is too late and it's insincere. And this would not move the heart of God. So Jeremiah, don't bother praying for them because you don't have to pray about the things that require action, not prayer. It's amazing to me. Sometimes in our life we'll say, well, you know, I'm really praying about whether or not I should um, just quit church or I should pray about whether or not I should just get out of this marriage. You know, that's disingenuous. You don't have to pray about things that God has already decided God has already spoken about. And that's that's the point here. The point here is God knows their heart. Uh, God knows their direction. And the, the need here is for sincere action and repentance. And yet that's not being offered. So prayer is not like the magic talisman that covers over disobedience. No, prayer only works if there's sincerity. Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 50, is it 58 or 59? where it says the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, and neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Now, God can hear prayer, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So the point is, don't bother praying if there's not sincere repenting. If there's not a true forsaking of sin, you can pray all you want to, but God's not listening to those prayers. So Jeremiah, don't bother praying about this because my people are going to suffer the consequences of a sin, uh, of sins that have not fully been repented of. Look at verse number uh, 13. Then said I, so here's Jeremiah's response to that pretty stiff command from the Lord. Don't pray. The, the people are going to be judged for this. So then Jeremiah said, well, then, then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say unto them, ye shall, ye shall not see the sword, neither shall you have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. So God just told Jeremiah, Jeremiah, don't pray for them. I mean, bad times are coming. The sword, famine, and pestilence, it's coming. And Jeremiah says, but, but wait, Lord, but I'm listening to these other messages, these other preachers, and they're telling the people that these things are not going to happen and that the famine will not come and the sword will not uh, be a judgment. And so, Lord, I'm confused because the people are praying this prayer of repentance and then you're telling me not to pray for them and that judgment's coming, but 
it seems like these other prophets are saying, but judgment is not coming. I'm, I, I don't get it. So watch what the Lord does to help Jeremiah understand why his message stood in such contrast with the messages of all the other preachers of the day. Verse number 14. Then the Lord said unto me, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spake unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination and a thing of naught, thing of nothing, and the deceit of their heart. Lord, I don't get it. These prophets are saying that this prayer is sincere and God's forgiving and they're not going to have these consequences. And now, Lord, you're telling me don't pray for them and these consequences are going to come. The Lord said, yeah, let me explain. They did not hear from me, these other prophets. They're saying this, but they're making it up. It means nothing. This is just the deceit of their own heart. They're just trying to win the favor of the people. They're just saying good gobbledygook words that mean nothing. Jeremiah, understand that they are not speaking a word from me. He's clarifying to Jeremiah that what's effective is the word of God, not the good wishes of people, not the oratory ability of preachers, not even the consensus of opinion, because most people agree with the false prophets and very few people agree with Jeremiah. I mean, people like Zephaniah and Habakkuk and a few others, but very few. And so the Lord is filling Jeremiah in on this, isn't he? Look at verse number 15. Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that prophesy in my name. Now, think about that, by the way. They're prophesying in my name. So did the, who knew that these prophets were lying? Well, the people didn't know that. How would they know? And people are, are always predisposed to hear things more readily that, that accrue to their benefit. Like, we always want to hear good news. We're always predisposed to hear good news. God won't judge you. God has forgiven you. Bad times will not come. It'll all work out. Boy, we want to hear those messages. And yet they weren't speaking for the Lord. But what they were saying is, we are speaking for the Lord. God told me to tell you this. I'm speaking in the name of God. That's what was so insidious about that. And that's why God was going to hold these prophets to such a high level of accountability because they were acting as if claiming that their words came directly from God. So here's here's how I'm going to deal with them, said the Lord in verse number 16, verse number 15. Here's what I want you to say to the prophets that prophesy in my name. And I sent them not. Yet they say, sword and famine shall not be in this land. By sword and famine shall those prophets be consumed. Think about it. The ones that are saying sword and prophet, that, that, that sword and, um, and famine will not come. And God says, yeah, but those very prophets will suffer by the sword and the famine. You know, not only is their prophecy false, but they will test the they will taste the negative consequences themselves. They will be part of that, the victims of that invasionary force. They will be part of those that are in that family. Then what are they going to say when the food 
uh, supplies have been exhausted. Then what are they going to say when Babylon comes and attacks the city? Uh, they will be shown to be a false prophet over time. Th- that's the way a true or a false preacher is always indicated over time. I remember the story of Micaiah. Remember Micaiah that gave that negative prophecy to Ahab and all the other prophets gave Ahab what he wanted to hear? And basically what Micaiah said to them was in 1 Kings 22, he basically said, okay, we'll see. In the day that my prophecy comes to pass and the Syrians do uh, kill Ahab and put the rest of the army to flight, when you're hiding in your little closet afraid, then you're going to know that that I was right and you were wrong. So we have to be willing to be patient as Bible-believing Christians. We have to be willing to be patient as Bible preachers. Why? Because God's timetable is not always today and tomorrow. Sometimes it's next week, next month, next year, or next lifetime. But God is always on time, and we can always trust him. Look at verse number 16. And the people to whom they prophesy shall be cast out in the streets. See, there's two losers with a false preacher. Uh, The false preacher himself loses, but of course, his audience members lose as well. And the people uh, to whom they prophesy shall be cast out in the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword, and they shall have none to bury them. Uh, Their wives nor their sons, nor their daughters, for I will pour their wickedness upon them. You say, oh, you know, God is so unmerciful, so unkind. No, God has been expressing mercy and kindness and loving kindness and long-suffering for all of this time. And then when the judgment finally comes, the judgment is I will pour out their wickedness upon them. They will suffer the consequences of their choices. The greatest judgment of God is not what God invents for us. It's what we choose for ourselves. And God simply says, I'm going to take my hand of favor and longsuffering and grace and protection away. You've chosen a life without me. Now let's see how that works for you. Ultimately, that's what final judgment is. Hell, the lake of fire. It's the final destination of those that choose to say, God, we don't want you. And that is the very essence of separation from God. Sober thoughts, uh, and yet important thoughts for us to consider. So we'll stop there, verse number 16. We'll come back and finish the chapter next episode. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.